Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 123. Welcome back, Adamantomaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, and thank you for tuning in today. I hope everyone is having a great week so far. My week started off with a little bit of heartbreak, unfortunately. If you're a soccer fan, more particularly an English soccer fan, well, you've become accustomed to this heartbreak. As you may or may not know, England lost in the Euro Cup final to Italy in penalty shots, which is the most heartbreaking way you can lose a game in soccer, and especially in a final. If you know any of the history of the English national team, uh, you know there's been a lot of heartbreak. Usually, There's usually high expectations, and then they usually let you down around the quarterfinals. So this is the furthest that the team has ever been in my lifetime. I am so proud to see them even make the final. It was such an exciting run. Yes, tragic, heartbreaking again to lose in a final and to penalties. But now what has become most disappointing, if you've seen the news, that there's been some racial backlash against the English players who missed their penalties, as it was three young black men uh, who missed their penalties. And, uh, you know, there had been talks about some rowdy English fans that uh, were causing trouble before the final. And, uh, you know, unfortunately is one of those cases where a small few ruin, ruin a good time for everybody. But uh, any kind of discrimination, whether it's in person or online, a lot of this backlash was over social media, is just completely unacceptable. And it's something that the English team themselves have been standing up against for the last few years. So it's disappointing to see. But it was also amazing to see the support that, f- that followed and the love that was sent out to those players and the support. I mean, come on, you can't judge these guys' careers over one kick of the ball. It's a penalty shot. There's an immense amount of pressure. The player who took the last one was only 19 years old. Not to mention the simple humanity behind it. Like, these are human beings. And football is really, it's, it's a game that's meant to bring us together. You know, it's the most international game in the world, and it brings us all together. And tournaments like this showcase that. And I have to hand it to the Italian fans. I mean, for one, congratulations on the win. But usually I find Italian fans, uh, at least here in Canada and America, rather obnoxious. But you know what? They celebrated responsibly. They went out and had a good time with each other. And uh, they didn't destroy anything. And that's the way it's really meant to be. That's what soccer is all about. Overall, I thought it was a fantastic Euro Cup. There were so many great games in there. It was so exciting from start to finish. Like There was hardly a boring match. And the best news is that the World Cup is only a year and a half away. So hopefully, uh, you know, as, as, <laughs> as the English fans are used to saying, there's always next time. Speaking of what's next, we've got a podcast to do today, and we've got an excellent episode for you. We got ourselves a little bit of country music today. <laughs> That's because we've got country singer Jordan Davis right here on the Adamantium podcast today. We're talking about Jordan's latest EP, By Dirt, that came out at the end of May. And I really enjoyed my chat with Jordan because uh, he's just like a friendly guy. It felt like I was uh, meeting a new friend for the first time. And it was really great just to pick his brain about songwriting and his influences. And so, yeah, I connected with Jordan over Zoom as part of our virtual series episodes. But hopefully we'll get Jordan back on here in person when he's touring uh, later in the year. But before we jump into today's interview, let's do the Adamantium Recommend segment. 
So if you're new to Jordan's music, or maybe you're a big fan and we can compare notes, here are five of my favorite songs by Jordan Davis. So starting with the brand new EP, By Dirt, I'm going to recommend the song By Dirt, which also features Luke Bryan, and then I'm going to recommend the song Lose You. And then going to his self-titled EP from last year, I'm going to recommend the song Almost Maybes. And then moving to his debut album that was called Home State. It came out in 2018. I'm going to recommend the song Singles You Up. And lastly, I'm going to recommend my favorite song probably still by Jordan Davis. And it was the song that got me into his music. It's called Slow Dance in a Parking Lot. And that's it. Jordan is currently touring. You can check out his tour page. If you're here in Toronto, he'll be here supporting Kane Brown in November at the Scotiabank Arena. I know I'm going to try and be there myself. If you are a fan and listening to the Adamantium podcast for the very first time today, first of all, thank you so much for tuning in. We would absolutely love to have you back sometime, so please do hit that subscribe button on whichever podcast network you choose to get your podcasts. And you can also follow the Adamantium podcast on social media. We're on Instagram at the Adamantium, on Facebook at the Adamantium podcast, and we're on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Or you can find us just by searching the Adamantium podcast. So let's dive into today's episode with Jordan Davis. It's episode 123 of the Adamantium podcast. Have a great week, everyone. Stay safe, be well, be good to each other. And we'll be back with another episode very soon. I think this might actually be the earliest podcast we've done. <laughs> oh, is it really? Yeah. What time? Wait. Well, I mean, I guess it's about the same time up there. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Nine nine a.m. over there. Where are uh, you? Eight. Eight. Okay. I'm oh, in I'm Nashville. Earlier for you. <laughs> yeah. Where are but you? I've been up. My my daughter. I'm in Nashville. My daughter got up at like six thirty. So. I've right. Been you're up on a parent. Bit. You're on parent duty. So. <laughs> yeah. This, yeah. this is this is late for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> well usually mine are done like you know in venues before gigs and stuff so yeah so usually morning you at least i got my coffee in me so i'm good to go i see you do there too you go. yeah <laughs> well man guys so i heard that you have a, a second child on the way so first of all congrats about that that's amazing news thank you man yeah we're excited september uh a little boy so we're we're fired up amazing September's a good a good time <laughs> yeah i hope so <laughs> yeah september is a good time to september is a good time to do anything i think september is one of my favorite months yeah it's great cool man and thank and uh congrats on the 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 ep um i had to listen through it a couple times and uh it's real great it's real great and um one thing thank i you. thought was really cool about it you know a lot of people are putting out uh their pandemic album and calling it their pan quote unquote pandemic album. But for you, what I, what I really liked about it was it was a real kind of uh, reflection on the last year or so. And uh, so tell me, tell me some of the things that, that, you know, were the most crucial lessons you learned or reflections you had that affected this EP. Yeah, man. I think a lot of it was just, you know, we've been touring, recording music, you know, for the last three, four years where it's been like nonstop. You know, we've taken music right up into the holidays. Uh, you know, I've left holidays early to go play shows. Uh, you know, I've come home and, and sacrificed family time because I was busy thinking about, you know, music or whatever. And uh, man, I think with it going away, 
and realizing, you know, how almost kind of fragile it is and how important there's some other things in my life that I, that I need to put just as much emphasis on. Um, I think that's the, my, that was my biggest takeaway from it was just, Hey man, one day it's, it is going to go away, you know, and, um, and it might not come back. So, uh, you know, don't, don't take it too seriously, man. Like, then that's really kind of what I had to tell myself. That was really what I learned from it. Um, and I think it was huge. I think it was, you know, as much as I learned that, I think I learned that I was dropping the ball on, you know, being, being a, the husband I need to be. And even sometimes being the dad, I, I, I would have needed to be. So I think just kind of refocusing and reprioritizing some stuff in my life and realizing that music's great and I'm grateful to do it and thankful to do it, but it's not everything. Mm-hmm. And when, uh, you know, when you're reflecting on these things and then I guess that became part of what you would write about, do you still feel, I mean, your debut album was such a, a hit. It was fantastic. Did you still feel the pressure, even though you were kind of on this more relaxed uh, kind of feeling of I've, I've got other priorities as well, but do you still feel the pressure to have to live up to that first album or, you know, uh, you know, for your fans and, yeah. I mean, I, I would definitely say like, you want to, I mean, you always want to, you want your fans to like your, your stuff, you know? And, uh, so I, I feel like I would, you know, it's pressure on that end, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a pressure like, Oh my God, if, if this isn't good, then music's over. You mm-hmm. know, like nobody's, nobody's going to come right. to your shows and nobody's going to, um, you know, it was a just a pressure I put on myself of like, Hey, you've had some fans and still to this day I can go to a show and I pretty much know the first and second row. I mean, they've been there with really? me from day one and, you know, I, I feel obligated to continue to put good music out for them because mm-hmm. they've invested a lot of time and money into me. Um, so, you know, you want to, you want to return that in a good product, but uh, I never felt the pressure as far as like, Hey, is this going to be accepted? Like, is, is the music business going to think this is like really good or are your views going to be good? Uh, you know, I kind of just made the music I want to make and, um, and I was proud of it. I think, I mean, from what I, what I gather when I listen to your music, like there's, there's an honesty in your music. And I think as long as that honesty is there, um, the fans are still going to be able to connect no matter what it is, you know, uh, you're singing about necessarily, you know? Yeah. What no, I the- think, you know, that's one of the core, core things in country music to me, you know, songwriting in general. I mean, I think you're mm-hmm. going to connect to anybody if it's, if there's a little more honesty there. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's a big thing for me. What, uh, like what point, where were you guys at at the time that the pandemic hit? What was like, what was going on, you know, with you guys, were you on the row in the middle of a tour or, Dude, this is crazy. We were actually, we were in the middle. We had three weeks left of our headlining tour. Uh, we had just finished up a run in San Diego. Uh, and we had three, you know, we we just finished at the House of Blues in San Diego. Uh, and it was a big show for us because we have, we have been the first of three there. We've been the direct support there. And then, then we had just headlined it and sold it out. It was awesome. We're, you know, fired up. We had two weekends left of our headliner tour. All the shows were sold out and we were looking forward to, you know, getting to the Northeast to play. 
But in between that, we had C to C over in the UK. Okay, yeah. So I, I was actually on a plane uh, flying into London whenever the shutdown happened. So I really? basically I la- I landed in London, turned around, and turned around the next morning and flew home. Wow. So it was pretty wild. Yeah, and uh, you also, but you also put out a, a, a like you had a record release right at the time, pretty much of. Uh, you were probably working on that release at the time too, because your self-titled EP also came out at that time. Was that affecting yeah. how you guys were approaching that too, or? Uh, yeah, I think we kind of sped it up a little bit. You know, I think that if if it hadn't have been for the pandemic, I think that that would have ended up being a record. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, with a bunch of downtime, I see. Yeah, us not knowing when we were going to be able to get back out and tour. Uh, we had eight songs done and we just kind of picked our favorite six. And we're like, look, you know, we don't know how long this is going to be. So let's get some new music to the fans. We were kind of long overdue on that as it, as it was, you know, still, whole, you know, all we had was home state. So, mm-hmm. uh, so we kind of bumped that up and, and released that at the beginning, just to, just so the fans could have some new music. Never knew that it was going to go as long as the pandemic did. Um, and so in the meantime, you know, I was writing all these songs and had all these, you know, just this kind of new approach to songwriting. Um, and, you know, it's weird to put two EPs out back to back, but, uh, you know, I didn't want to, I don't know, it just felt like by dirt needed to come out while we were still kind of in this, in this time we're in. Um, mm-hmm. And also too, like it kind of selfishly for me, like, you know, that song means so much to me um by dirt uh, the the song uh that i kind of that's like my you know that's like my promise to myself to like never get back to the way i was the mindset the approach i had to music before uh that like i was doing before so um right yeah it was it was kind of well, for, for so me for, as well for the the purpose of the listeners let tell them what uh you know what the the reminder is going forward that's in by dirt to yourself well it's that thing it's it's take care of family first you know Mm -hmm. family and 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 being a dad and being a husband uh that's the number one goal that that's what and and what i believe i'm going to be ranked on you know that's that that's what i'm going to be judged on not how many songs i have not how many singles i have go to the top of the charts or whatever uh and and so that was my that that's what by dirt means to me you know Mm -hmm. make sure that make sure that that home is taken care of first and then go out and start start trying to get music to where it needs to be so Mm -hmm. and uh, there's a great line right at the beginning of the song um i think it was you're speaking with your grandfather um when you was there a moment when you were having a conversation with your grandfather that this song kind of came to your mind or well, I think yeah, it, that story, uh, that first verse was a conversation we'd had a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my grandfather and my dad had a, a poultry business in Shreveport for almost 50 years. Um, and, you know, we weren't rich by any means. My grandfather wasn't rich, you know, from a financial view. Uh, right. But, you know, he had a two acre piece of land in Stonewall, Louisiana. And he had a pond in the back 
he had a big Martin birdhouse that he'd sit out there and drink coffee and watch his birds fly in and out. And that's what he wanted. Like he mm -hmm. was, you know, he loved it. And, you know, we'd come back from school and, you know, he'd ask us, you know, how's everything going? You know, how's school going? And we'd be like, well, you know, it's going okay. You know, I didn't get this internship or, you know, you know, if I don't, you know, this job's not hiring or whatever, you know, he would always say like, Hey, don't, don't chase money too much. You know, mm -hmm. don't, don't put too much stock in that. Uh, so that's kind of where just those stories and those conversations we've had with, um, with Papa, that's what we called him. Uh, that's where that first verse came from. Okay. Tell me the, uh, the connection with Luke Bryan, uh, and why it was so significant to you to get his voice on that song as well. Man, Luke's been such a huge inspiration on me. Uh, you know, I always say that, man, when I was in college and right before I moved to Nashville, like Luke was, Luke was country radio. You couldn't mm -hmm. turn, you couldn't turn the radio on without hearing Luke Bryan. Yeah. And, uh, and it's still, still that way today. I mean, I think that just speaks a lot to, to the strength of Luke and, and how he's been able to just have such a successful career for as long as he has. But, uh, you know, when we were writing this, we'd, we had already put the EP out. I didn't know when I was going to release another project. Uh, definitely didn't think it was going to be as soon as By Dirt came out. But, you know, I, I'm a songwriter first, and I'm always writing songs and seeing who's cutting, seeing who's you know, making records. Uh, when we finished By Dirt, I told the guys, I was like, hey, I don't know when I'm going to go in and record. So in the meantime, let's send this to Luke. I think Luke would crush this. Um, and they were all cool with it. And I went to bed that night and I was listening to it on my phone, just the little work, work tape demo we had. Yeah. And I just, I was like, man, dude, Jordan, you're an idiot. If you don't cut this song, man, you gotta, yeah. you gotta hold on to this. Uh, and so I woke up the next day and I told the guys, I was like, Hey, let's scratch that. I'm gonna hold this for a little bit. And then when I got home, I just couldn't, you know, then I started thinking about I was like, man, what if I asked Luke to be on this with me? Uh, and I did. I texted him, sent him the song, told him, you know, what it meant to me, kind of what we went through to write it. And uh, and man, he got back to me and said that, that he wanted to be a part of it. So that was uh, that was how it started as an initial pitch to Luke, which then I was like, no, I'm going to keep it. But I'm going to see if he wants to sing on it with me. That's cool. It must have been really cool for you, too, to uh, it's like one of those. Uh, you know, meeting your heroes moments, but actually getting to make some work with, with, uh, one of the people you look up to. So. It was, man, it's crazy to sit in the studio and, and see him, you know, singing on us. And too, it's like, you know, it, it wasn't just like a fluff song, you know, like mm. it, it, it was something that, that means a lot to me. And it's a song that that's going to be really special to me, no matter how it does it, right. you know, anywhere. Um, but you know, to, to have that day with, with me and him getting to talk about the song and getting him to, you know, getting to see him sing on it. Um, it was, it was pretty special. That's cool, man. Um, it's been said that, that you are kind of like an old school songwriter, uh, of like our parents' generation and you and I are the same age. So, um, yeah. you also, you also come from a family of, of talented <laughs> songwriters. Um, does, your like does does your family's roots play into your, your music and the style of music that you create? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I definitely think going back to you know early on, my uncle coming home for holidays and you know playing songs that he had just written, 
um, you know, that was kind of like the first introduction in Nashville and showed me and my brother both that, you know, you can make a living off of, off of writing songs. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that was like the first introduction to songwriting And my dad, you know, was always playing guitar and picking songs around the house. Um, but you know, they also allowed us to like, you know, it wasn't like just this music, you know, my dad was, my dad and mom were, as long as there was no bad words in it, we could listen to it. Yes. So, you know, uh, at 10 or, you know, those early teen years, you know, we were able to kind of explore some other genres. You know, country was always the, what was played at the house, but, you know, we were able to ride our bikes to the CD store and, you know, get Smashing Pumpkins records and mm -hmm. Dave Matthews band and all that. So, you know, we were able to kind of have this, you know, wide range of of music in the house mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean i think that the core of it and the songwriting started you know with my uncle and my dad and playing you know cat stevens and john mm -hmm. prine and jim croce at the house uh, so i definitely think that 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 played a, a huge role in me and both my brothers um love for songwriting there's no uh there was no bad words in any of those smashing pumpkins albums could swear there was. Well, there was. No, there was. <laughs> it was more like the, you know, we would always, you know, it was back when you were burning CDs, like, you know, yeah, like yeah. Bear Share and Napster were just, so like, you know, we would go buy the good stuff, you know, just mm -hmm. so that when mom came in, I was like, what are y'all listening to? We would have like, you know, David Gray or, yeah, yeah. you know, like that stuff. But like, oh, mom, this is this. But then we would get on Bear Share and we'd download like DMX and like yeah, yeah. Dog and all those guys. <laughs> and, and, and so like every once in a while we would they would find one of those cds and me and my brother would go sit down for dinner and we would look up and one of those cds would be like on the table and we're yeah. just like oh god uh, I, yeah. found it. <laughs> I remember hiding uh <laughs> hiding the first kid rock album from my parents <laughs> so, yeah dude. it was uh it was it was a it was a it was a game you had to play, man. You had to keep you had to hold on to those hold on to those bad CDs and yeah. have just enough there to 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 get away with it. Hide it, hide it in the collection. Yeah. Hope they yeah. don't know what it is. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> it was even like I remember you even opened up the CD and like the like the the print on the CD was just a big middle finger. So I was like, if they open oh, it, yeah. oh, you're done already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or just like uh I mean you remember you remember the Green Day Dookie album? Yes, like, yeah. Green Day. Like I couldn't buy that. I had to go return that because I brought it back to the house. And my mom's like, no, take it back. You're not yeah. like Yeah. So I just downloaded it. <laughs> I remember when we were in school, the other one actually I had I definitely hit it. It was like well hidden, was uh I bought I bought the Bloodhound Gang album. <laughs> <laughs> and that one was like, it was man, if I if you listen to it now, it's filthy. Like it's oh dude. Yeah, and I was I was like nine at the time. <laughs> I probably didn't even understand yeah. half of what was in it. <laughs> yeah, but that's man. true. Um, how do you make sure that you're like, uh, you know, how do you how do you mix like your throwback style but make it, uh, you know, speak to the, the Spotify TikTok generation? Yeah, man, I think it's 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 tough. I think it's still something I'm trying to kind of blend i lean so much on just like when i sit down to write it's just like hey man don't don't try not to overthink it i think mm -hmm. that you know at the core of me like if it's not a if it's not a well put together song mm -hmm. then i'm not gonna like it it's not gonna it's not gonna move me um so I, I really do just try to 
you know, I've got a great group of songwriters that I work a lot with and pretty consistently. And I think they kind of understand how I write and my style. Um, and then, man, my producer as well, you know, me and Paul D. Giovanni, he's where he's produced all my stuff and been a co-writer on all my projects. Um, so I think that just, you know, strengthening those, those relationships with the people that really get why I write songs the way I do, um, mm -hmm. which is, you know, like, like we just talked about, man, it's just yeah. such a wide, wide range of genres. I listen, I listen mm -hmm. to, uh, that always comes back to a well-written song, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a, I think it's, it's always something I'm trying to work at. Um, but, uh, but I always also try to say like, Hey man, like write your style. Like, dude, don't, don't try to trade chase anything or don't try to, you know, do something you're not doing because maybe it's working right now. Mm -hmm. Like just continue to write music the way you write songs. And and you're always going to get the best product if you do that. Yeah, I mean, we said it already. Like, honesty, honesty connects with people more than anything. Relatability. Um, yeah. This, there's this, there's an amazing story right now here in Canada. We have this band from out west called Mother Mother, and right now they just had like a huge surge in streams, and it it turned out it was from their their songs from an album. I think it was like 11 years ago was blowing up on TikTok. Like uh, a certain Really? Graphic, we're using it in their TikTok videos. And uh, all of a sudden now, and, and they, they're, they're like, they're older than us. They didn't, like, they didn't even have TikTok. They didn't even know what TikTok was. And, but it's just, it's just that honesty that they could relate to that the, the writer, the singer had put in his music 10 years ago. You know, it was what he was going through. With. Yeah. So it's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. And That's I, awesome. I think, I think when I listen to your songs too, and I, when I read through the lyrics, they're so relatable um you know you can put yourself in your shoes um and i think that is one of the easiest one of the best things to to connect to um one of the other things i've noticed about your music too and it's something um i, I actually i talked about this i had adam duritz from the counting crows on recently we talked about how it's the details in songs the little details that kind of make a song really special and uh i've noticed that a lot in, in your music and uh the first song that wrote me into listening to your music a couple of years ago was the song um, Slow Dance in the Parking Lot. And it was like the little line, like the little details of, you know, songs half finished, one door is open, stuff like that, where you can actually paint a picture uh, in yeah. your head with lyrics. Is that is that something you've always been mindful of or something that came naturally? Or do you see music as a as a visual, like a painting, a picture? Yeah. I had somebody tell me one time you get you get three minutes, three and a half minutes to tell a story. Mm -hmm. uh, songs a book, you know. Yeah. So don't don't waste a lot of time and always make sure that you're using the most vivid image you can use. Mm -hmm. You know, so the slow dance in a parking lot's a perfect example of mm -hmm. you know, when my co-writer Lonnie told me that story, um, I was like, Man, we we've, we've gotta write that and we've gotta go back to that night. You know, we've yeah. gotta we've just got to nail it in. And because, you know, even, even then we were thinking like, well, the name of the song is going to be slow dance in a parking lot. So there it is. That's yeah. what, that's what the song is. Like you, yeah. you read the title, you get the song. So we've got to do something to where it connects with people 
And, you know, that was us sitting there being like, well, we need it to be as vivid and take everybody there to that parking lot that night to listen to that song. Mm -hmm. And I think that started with me just by the songwriters I listened to. Um, you know, like I said, my dad was a huge, you know, songwriter guy. So I was listening to John Prine and Chris Christopherson songs super early on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's no there's no better writers that can get into detail than those two guys right there. Yeah. And I mean, you know, look at Sunday morning coming down, you know, yeah. like you're you're right. You're in that guy's shoes, you mm -hmm. know, and that's Christopherson that, that he could just do that. And prime was the exact same way with just being able to paint a picture. And, and I think that's something that I just, I, I, I try to base or I try to start every song off with is like how mm -hmm. detailed and, and vivid can we get with it? Yeah. And it's, it's like, Adam told me this same thing. He says, it's like, it's not enough to say you look beautiful tonight. It's like, it's the way the line, the light hits you on that angle from across the room, you know, and that's when you yeah. really see it, you know, anyone, anyone, yeah. is beautiful. everybody's beautiful, but you know, it's, it's painting that picture yeah. and then you can actually see it in your head, you know, and yeah. uh, it's one of the things I liked about seeing with um, the almost maybe is like, you can throw yourself in each of those situations and uh, it's the yeah it's it's the fine details i've i've always found uh and it was one thing that i've i've always felt you had right in your music anyways i appreciate that man that means a lot you know because you know i think that there's you know and almost maybe this is one of those you know it's i guess when you hear it you know you like I have a lot of people are like oh it's a great summer song it's like mm. and and i feel like you just kind of like throw it into that category where it's like right. man, we actually wrote pretty hard on that you know like mm. Like, don't get me wrong. We wanted it to be that. Like, we want it, you know, to be kind of up tempo and and feel good. But just because it has to be a song like that doesn't mean you can just cash it in from a lyric standpoint and be like, well, you know, it already feels good. Like, what feels the best? It's like, mm -hmm. well, you know, let's still say something here. Um, so I, I appreciate you saying that. Oh no, absolutely. It's it's been one of my favorite tunes of the last the last year or so. Awesome. I appreciate That's you awesome. writing it. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, no, no worries. Growing, growing up where you did, you know, uh, kind of in a hub of of lots of musical cities, um, close to New Orleans, close to Texas, close to Mississippi. What were some of your favorite spots to go and get inspired? Well, man, in, in Shreveport, like, you know, that was like the musical history of Shreveport, my hometown is. I mean, it's crazy rich from the Hayride, uh, Elvis Presley being one of the first places he ever played was in Shreveport. Um, a lot of just iconic venues there that we got to see a lot of people play at. So, um, you know, it, it was always cool to be in Shreveport and tag along with my dad to go see Dom Williams or somebody. Uh, and then as I went to college and moved uh, down to Baton Rouge, um, man, there's a lot of great little smaller venues a place called the varsity theater in baton rouge which was my favorite place to go see music uh saw eric church there um you know randy rogers band they were they were had a huge following in louisiana uh got to see them there uh mark broussard which is one of my favorite singer songwriters out of louisiana uh and then anytime you go to new orleans mm -hmm. you know it's just like a, a melting pot of inspiration yeah uh and so, you know, it's, it was the entire state to me was just a musical hotbed. Um, 
and, and there's always good music going on. So mm-hmm. no matter where you're at, you can find it. Yeah. I'm in, uh, I'm in Toronto and I always say here, we have, we have a fantastic music scene. Like you can go out and, and see anybody, someone recognizable every night. But one year I went down to Austin, Texas, and it's like, it's a different, it's a different feel. Like the music is so engraved in the culture. It's not even just like a, a matter of there being lots of music. It's just, it's part of what the city is. Yeah. Um, and what's well, been always been one of my, my dreams is to open a lot, li- like a live music cafe in Toronto that has that feel like you could go in at two in the afternoon and, you know, and mu- there's live music, you know, someone yeah. who's busting their chops to get their music out there playing. So, yeah, man, it's always, and that's like, that's where you find the best stuff, man. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, that's where you find either as a, as a, as a songwriter and like just a, a huge fan of music myself, it's like, dude, anytime I go back home and, you know, bounce into a bar and there's a guy sitting in the corner playing acoustic guitar, mm. like for six hours, you know, for maybe 50 bucks and tips and a free tab. Yeah. You know, like, Hey, it's inspiring to me. It makes me grateful for where I'm at. Like, you know, um, and hopefully too, like I always try to go say something to somebody, you know, like, mm-hmm. Hey man, keep plugging away. Like sound great. Or, you know, you did, you know, you crushed this cover or whatever it is, or like the song you wrote's great. Um, I don't know. I just places like that, man. It's like, I don't know. They're just, they're inspiring for everybody, not mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, songwriters or, you know, they just, I don't know. They just always got good vibes. So yeah. they're always cool to find. I agree. I agree. I know people, I've never been to Nashville or New Orleans and people are like, how, how have you never been there? So yeah, I got to make it. I down. mean, Nashville's great. New Orleans is, I mean, dude, it's a special place. I mean, New Orleans is one of my favorite, uh, but like New Orleans and Austin, it's like, like, I feel like they're like, really similar at least yeah. from like a musical scene like they have their own thing um you know and they're just just unreal musicians man like um you know i every time i go to new Orleans, i hear a band and i'm just like dude how are you guys not in la or right or nashville or somewhere but like they just love new orleans like they don't want to go anywhere so it's, yeah and it's not even it's like the musicianship too is like unreal like like bands that can jam for like 15 they can take you know uh hey jude and turn it into like a 15 minute you know yeah. epic and it's just like yeah. jam after jam especially those jazz bands like it's like yeah oh, you, you almost feel bad that the musicianship is so underappreciated but it, it's just like it's their passion it's what they live for i know it's yeah, wild it is do you remember the first concert you ever went to yeah i i snuck into a uh dom williams concert okay. with my dad i okay. got like the last like three or four songs uh, it was just him and a stool just him acoustic at the strand theater in shreveport and then but like my first like full concert where i like got the full concert experience it was uh john anderson in shreveport okay. the municipal auditorium so yeah. and my uncle came down and he got us backstage so we got to see like three or four songs um you know sitting side stage uh, so it was pretty it was pretty wild super cool that's awesome man what about the first song you ever learned to play uh i think it was it's probably Folsom prison blues by johnny okay. cash that was like my dad's like if, if he picked the guitar up he was playing Folsom that was his prison. go-to so, eh? yeah so you know it we would always he would teach me how to play that uh i mean he was the king of like a three chord guitar mm-hmm. song you know so like yeah 
all all that old cash stuff. Um, John Prine is pretty, you know, he he picks it well, but his songs are pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like we learned a lot of, you know, Angel from Montgomery, um, Hello in there, songs like that. So it was always whatever my dad was learning. Yeah, I was kind of watching him or or trying to learn it. Gotcha. That's super cool, man. Uh, it sounds like you got a lot of the influence from your dad. Yeah. I mean, just him, you know, he's just always playing, always picking something or, uh, you know, writing a song. Like I'd find notebooks around the house and he'd have like lyrics scribbled on. Anything good? Man, some of them work. I mean, I'll be honest, my dad's a pretty good songwriter. You know, I always mess with him because they end up being like, you know, but hey, let me, let me read you what I wrote the other day and I'll read it. And, it's great, but I'm like, my critique is always like, I'm like, dad, this would be like a nine minute song. Yeah. Like the verses just keep going. I'm no, like, this is, this is, this is poetry. It's not necessarily for Bob Dylan, like, you know, that's <laughs> <laughs> where uh, my family's a family of drummers. So we're not, you know, drummers aren't known for their songwriting abilities. Let's say yeah. <laughs> you're making noise though. That's great. That's it. That's it. That was my, uh, <clears throat> my first, uh, as soon as the pandemic hit and I was like, I'm stuck inside this condo. The first thing I did was I actually, I bought a electronic drum kit. Oh, yeah, that's that awesome. was my, yeah, it was my COVID investment. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But it's a light, it's a lifelong one. That's, that's the truth. Hey yeah. man, if I'm ever looking for a drummer, I'm going to shoot you a message. I'm gonna I, I, I will take it, man. I will take that <laughs> dream call. <laughs> um, so you're going to be hitting the road soon. I see. And uh, are, you, are you nervous to be back on the road or uh, just pure excitement? What's what are you feeling about it? Man, I'm just pretty excited. You yeah, know, we've we've been able to go out and play. Uh, I think we're on. We're going out this weekend. I think this is going to be like probably our, you know, sixth or seventh show of the year. Uh, and man, we're just we're just pumped. Like, yeah. You know, we feel, you know, I feel like all the venues and everybody's doing a great job of keeping people safe. Um, and you know, we're doing it the best way. It's all outdoor venues. So it's like, mm-hmm. man, you know, music's got to come back. Like, yeah. it's, it's like just with the first couple of shows we played, it's like, man, it, it, everything feels normal, you know, for yeah. an hour, an hour and a half, however long we're up there. Like, you know, I just feel like every, everybody out there is not thinking about anything, but, mm-hmm. but being there and, and having this, this thing that we had and loved just feel like it's back. Yeah. Um, so man we're excited we're excited to be able to bring that to to the fans um i'm excited for my guys to be back out working and um and too we got a bunch of new music that we're getting to get out and play for the first time so yeah uh we are we're pumped what have you what have you missed most about touring and and being on the road yeah i mean aside from the shows i mean you know the shows are always like yeah i mean that's the the high point of every weekend we're out but uh man i man i really enjoy spending time with my band like you know my band my crew like your brother uh, i mean they really are man it's mm-hmm. like you know th- that was one of the toughest things i think during the pandemic that we never really thought about was like you know we spend just as much time with those guys um as we do with our own family mm-hmm. you know and they do become a part of your family uh and you know they're always playing jokes or you know being stupid like you come back every weekend you got this story about what benton or dylan or somebody did or said Mm -hmm. um 
And then, you know, we've, we've lost that for yeah. 14 months. So these past couple of weekends, man, I, I really just enjoy, you know, sitting around post-show, having a drink with them, talking about the show, talking about life, talking about everything. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's been cool to get back and, and get to hang with them. Cool, man. Well, I see that you have a stop here in Toronto with Kane Brown in November. So I look yeah. forward to that. I hope we can connect again. And I'm going to expect that drum call now. So, <laughs> hey, man. Dude, why don't you just you just play for us that night, man? Well, I'll I'll leave Kyle here at the house, so you can. Sounds you, good. You can, you can have the night off. You can have the <laughs> night is. off. That's it. There it I mean, I'll play for yeah. free. <laughs> no. Deal. I like that. I like yeah, that. Yeah, there you go. One night only, though. One night only. Then after. Yeah, that. yeah. I mean, okay. Deal. Thanks so much for doing this, eh? Absolutely, dude. Adam, thank you for having me on, man. This has been yeah. awesome. Yeah, you too, man. And uh, I'll catch you in November. Awesome. Sounds good, man. Take it easy. Appreciate it. The Adamantium. Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.